that type of critical Joe Biden's far from a perfect human being. Okay. I don't buy any of that type of criticism of him in the sense that he he is 78. Mm. And I don't know how many 78 year olds you interact with, but my mom's 74 and my dad's 88. Um, for people around that age, he's he's pretty damn lucid. And it's it's people but I mean, I guess we're we're not really talking like my 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 question is not like is he is he lucid for a person of that age? My question is like is he lucid for the president of the United States? Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I'm talking to Brian Frydenberg. He's back for round number three. Uh, he's the founder and executive editor at Real Context News and has been featured in magazines like the Jordan Times, the Jerusalem Report, Real Clear History, and has contributed to many, many other publications. Welcome to the show. Thanks again for having me. Third time, certainly a charm. Exactly. So uh, just before we uh, kick off, I have to do two plugs. First of all, my book is now out, Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. It's uh, what I believe to be a very important look at how social media can influence our politics. And I also have to say thanks to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN on the internet. You can get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can follow the links for both of those in the descriptions below. So, Brian, things have, have calmed down a little since we last spoke. There has been no more stormings of the capital, thankfully. Yes, that's quite a low bar, though, as far as saying things are calmer, but yes. 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 Um, <laughs> so uh, Joe Biden has just today signed the uh, the stimulus bill that, that was put together, the COVID-19 $1.9 trillion stimulus bill that includes checks for $1,400 for, is it all Americans? No, it's all American. It's if you're an individual taxpayer, uh, there are a couple of smaller increments but essentially uh i think it's 70 or seventy-five you you'll get the full and then up to eighty thousand. uh once you get to eighty thousand, there's no check for you and if you're a couple it's uh 160 okay so the senate democrats and republicans well the republicans didn't really do much of anything but the senate democrats pared that down uh and honestly i kind of agree with that i think you know, if you're making eighty thousand dollars, I'm not saying you're not having problems during this pandemic, or if you're a couple with one hundred and sixty thousand in income. But I really don't think that is the demographic that we should have been, you know, focusing on. And if anything, I think people much lower on that scale should have gotten higher checks. You know, mm -hmm. but um, but hey, fourteen hundred. I mean, that's still a huge portion of the American working class, um, and it's making a huge difference in people's lives. Mm. Now, one of the things uh, to do with the, the stimulus check was that, that um, as we talked about very briefly before we started, was that in December um, and before the election, Joe Biden was was uh, promising, essentially, $2,000 checks on his first, or like from his first day that they were going to try and get them, like the $2,000 checks out to the people. And, I, I disagree with that characterization, but keep going. Okay, yeah, but well, you can, you can respond here in a moment. Um, and now they got their $600 checks um, a little earlier, and now they've got $1,400. And there has been criticism that this is um, not delivering on the promise that was made. Uh, but 
I'm, I, I'm aware you feel slightly differently. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to explain why that's not the case? Well, I just think that, um, I mean, I, I don't blame in any way people overseas, especially, um, you know, picking up because obviously you guys have your own country, your own countries, the EU, there's a lot going on there. Uh, but especially in the American press, I was very disappointed with the way this was framed and covered because uh, there was a proposal towards the end of the Trump administration to get people, uh, we, we were going to have another bill. There weren't any checks attached to it. And different people, some Republicans, mostly Democrats, uh, and Bernie Sanders were pushing for checks for people to be included. And Trump um, realized he could kind of somehow after months of ignoring what was going on and not even taking part in any discussions, could be the center of attention again. And I guess he thought it was a good idea. And I don't know who else told him whatever, but he was like, yeah, let's make it 2000, which was more than what was being talked about. Mm. And then everyone's like, okay, great, let's do that. The Democrats meet and said, sure, Republicans in the House and Senate, balls in your court. And what we did end up getting was 600. So the, the 2000 figure, and Biden was calling for the bill that was going to be passed then before he was going to be sworn in. He was arguing then that people should get a $2,000 check. So instead they got a $600 check. And to make up uh, for the difference, we now have a $1,400 check. Biden never said, I'm going to promise you as your president, regardless of how much money is passed now in terms of checks, I will have you get a single $2,000 check. That was never anything he said. Uh, and the way that the far left was really attacking him a lot for this, um, the right, of course, uh, feels like this is a giveaway. And there, it's it, this is I think we talked about this before, but the right is essentially using all, all the same talking points about government spending and waste they would use in normal times with no pandemic and no massive economic crisis. Uh, they're just not resonating with people. About forty percent of Republicans uh, in, in one recent poll, and you know, high pluralities. Uh, I shouldn't say pluralities, but high large minorities in other polls are supporting this. Many, many independents and almost all Democrats. So this is a very popular bill. There's only about a third of the country, give or take, that are not in favor of this bill. The rest have a good impression of it. That's not just Democrats. It's a lot of people from different political persuasions. So I think the Republicans are going to really pay for this. A lot of people are going to get money, and then including Republicans, and those people are going to remember because the Democrats are going to make sure they remember that the Republicans, not one, not a single Republican in the House of the Senate voted for this package. Mm. I mean, there definitely seems to have been, I'm not sure if it's less coverage or less scrutiny, perhaps, on the on the bill or the passage of the bill, but there, there seems to be a lot less like strange things that I've seen in contained within the bill. I mean, there was there, like just to name some of the, the things that I remember seeing um, offhand about that one of the bills that was proposed um, when the Republicans had the had the Senate there there was uh, money put aside for like university students to do like I think it was gender studies in in Pakistan there was like a weird clause about UFO declassification stuff there was there was loads of really really weird like like stuff being like attempted to be like latched on to the to the bill 
and and this time it seems to have been a little a little more streamlined but um i did just want to want to double check on when um or if like biden had made those claims on the on the check so uh it says that on on snopes that the in the lead up to the georgia senate runoff biden ossoff and warnock all promised two thousand dollar checks but then um yeah, it goes on to clarify that the, the 600 was then sent, I, I believe, on the 6th of January. Um, yeah, so the thing is, the, these checks, you know, were finalized and we, you know, there was a lot of confusion. People don't know what's going on with the mechanics. Biden was not inside the administration at the time. He was an outsider. We mm -hmm. didn't know how long it was going to take that 600. So if it wasn't until after the 20th, then a bill could have been passed, a COVID relief bill that could have included it could have said change the 600 to 2000 but the 600 got done so i understand what people are are kind of thinking this that and the other thing but i think it's pretty clear that you know um the total amount was intended to be 2000 that was biden's intention from the beginning and when the 600 got taken care of it wasn't him going back on anything it was it was okay we got that much out now let's get the rest hmm. yeah i mean that makes sense um but then there's there's been some some debate um as well over the the 15 dollar minimum wage uh debate like is is this something that that you think should be dealt with at a federal level like just because like to, to come at it from a european sort of um standpoint at least we have uh issues in the 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 eu like one of the criticisms of it at least is that it's difficult for a government like anybody to legislate for economies across such like a vast um well, such a huge like space of land with so yeah. many Albania's different cultures and now, right? yeah um I'd, albania i don't think so i'm just gonna check that now um i think they've applied it was just albania eu i'm gonna i'm gonna get told that i'm wrong here am i 28th uh, of april it's on the they were applied and yeah 20 did it get in session talks talk started in march 2020 see there's uh there's like 33 no not yet there's 33 okay. different chapters of membership that you have to go through to get into the eu uh that it's like like reforms or or like certain like standards of say like criminal justice sure. or like legal things or the way your economy functions or there's just like 30 yeah there's 33 different chapters of, of things that you have to fulfill before you be allowed to be let into the eu but to go back to the minimum wage yeah. thing so basically just forget forget about albania like like yeah. there was a much there were much poor european countries in eastern europe yeah that so, you can't have the same minimum wage in germany and the same minimum wage in bulgaria that, that's yeah exactly you know? so so do you think this is something that the u.s government should be dealing with at a federal level or do you think it should be left to the states to kind of figure out what's applicable in their jurisdiction I absolutely do think there needs to be a federal standard. I mean, it's been decades since we increased the federal minimum wage to $7.25 an hour. I don't know how many viewers realize that low. Mm. Um, and there are states that's that about, have made- That's about six pounds for anyone listening in the UK. Okay. Uh, you know, and there are, I, I think even Virginia, I mean, there's a lot of states that, that have, still have this, you know, minimum wage, but, the point is, uh, is, is with so much time going by, you can't work a full-time job minimum wage and survive unless maybe you're in some small town in the middle of nowhere. Even then, that's still tough. Um, there are, you know, a lot of banks that charge you a fee that's higher than what the minimum wage is, and they'll charge everyone. So you literally will lose an hour and a half of your work just to have a checking account. 
Mm. Um, so I agreed uh, with Hillary Clinton back in 2016 that a $12, $12.50, whatever it was minimum wage for the whole country very soon, but then encouraging $15 for like cities and more expensive places to live. At that point in time, that's what I agreed. I thought 15 would be a bit of a, a burden in some rural areas, but you know, it's four years later. So the more time that goes on, the more expensive things come, the more cost of living increases. So at this point, I'm comfortable with $15 as a minimum because it really isn't that much. Um, most people should be getting paid more than $15. But the, the sad truth is there are so many companies and so many workers in the United States that are uh, paid as little as possible by their companies. And so there's a giant portion of America living on the minimum wage. And it's it's part of the reason we have so many problems. And, it, it, and, and essentially you've got McDonald's and other companies paying people who are working full-time, sometimes overtime, and they're not making enough to cover what they need. So they're getting food stamps, they're getting Medicaid, they're getting other government benefits. And so it's almost like corporations are subsidizing the low wages uh, and the costs of these companies. So I, you know, the economists that I've looked at, there's there's obviously some give and take with the way this stuff works, but for the most part, fifteen dollars is not as a minimum wage is not going to ruin uh, businesses. It's going to cause for some adjustments, uh, but mostly it's going to be helping people survive and putting a lot more money for spending and consuming in the, you know, the hands of the average worker. Mm. I mean, that's, that's, that's a point that kind of gets missed a lot. I think that, um, when you're, when you're supply, when you're allowing such a low minimum wage and you're allowing people to get paid to the point where they need help from the government in any other aspect of their life, whether that's housing benefit, whether that's uh, food stamps, whether that's uh, child benefit um, or child tax credits, like all, all of these, um, all of these things are costly to, to the taxpayer. So by not like by not forcing, especially bigger corporations to, to pay more money, you're not you're you're costing the taxpayer, and I think that kind of gets missed um, oh, sometimes. Big time. Yeah. Have you have you heard much about this? Like, what's your take on the? It's not a child tax credit that they've included in the stimulus bill, um, right? It's a it's like a, a a payment that's set to sunset next next year uh, of like three hundred dollars per per child. Is that right? My understanding is it's you can do it either in a, you can receive the benefit monthly, and I believe it's a $300 monthly benefit, or you can have it be lump sum uh, for an annual payment. Uh, but I have not followed this closely. What I will say is that the, the, the analyses I've seen has said that this could reduce child poverty by about half, mm -hmm. which you know what, that's, that's amazing. And again, I mean, I listen to some idiot Republican senator. I don't remember which one. And they're not all idiots just at this point. I hate to say it, most of them. Or, or they're they're no better, but they're just doing what they think will get them popular accolades from their base. But hmm. they said, oh, only about 9% of this is to deal with COVID relief. And that's crazy because people are getting these stimulus payments because they haven't been able to work or if they have been working, they haven't earned as much because people have had to put everything on their credit cards. I'll be honest, my credit score has gone up and down 100 points about five times in the last year. 
I mean, it's just, it's like, oh, okay, the money isn't coming in as much or it's reduced. Now I'm going to start putting everything on my cards again. And then the more money comes in and, you know, like it, it's, it's just crazy. So um, there's so much that is geared towards helping the critical infrastructure, the critical personnel, and just our people during this pandemic uh, in this bill. And in terms of taking care of our children, you know, they're obviously suffering a lot during this pandemic. So I don't see this narrow idea that if it's not a vaccination, you know, it, it's not a COVID. I mean, uh, but, but it's also trying to, uh, you know, set a better long-term course and get people on their feet again and recover economically. So I, you know, I'm not an expert, but from everything I've seen from any sane, rational analyst that's not some extremist, uh, this is very good for reducing child poverty in the United States. And I must say, like compared to the EU on average, and certainly, uh, uh, you know, most countries in Europe individually, our child poverty rate is awful in the United States. It's way higher than in most other industrialized Western countries. So this is long overdue. And what mm -hmm. I think people need to realize with what Biden's doing here, this bill, I, I liked Obama, I voted for him twice. I loved Bill Clinton, I was too young to vote for him. Uh, but you know, Obama and Clinton, also Trump and, and uh, Bush, W. Bush came in and we're the outsiders, we're gonna clean up Washington, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And, and none of them in the beginning knew what they were doing. Now, Obama was brilliant and, uh, you know, uh, Clinton was brilliant. So they were able to, you know, stumble early on and, and learn as time went on. And Clinton had some of his best stuff later on in his um, presidency. Uh, Bush, not exactly a great learner, but you can see him getting much better over time. Trump is the exception that I think literally got worse over time because he had fewer and fewer same people to restrain him. Biden knew what the hell he was doing before he even got in. He'd been there for eight years as a VP. He'd been in the White House as a senator working with presidents going back decades. And he was a policy wonk and it really came down to it. And we are so fortunate. This is the best crafted piece of legislation I've seen in my life because the, all these different components, it's not like like you mentioned with the uh, the previous stimulus bill, the $2 trillion bill with um, uh, that was in the, uh, the waning days of the Trump administration, that was an omnibus spending bill because like it was the end of the year, we had to pass a bill and people were saying we have to do more for COVID. So it was kind of all these things that were thrown together. Um, so, you know, the State Department normally has programs like trying to promote gender, equality or what have you in Pakistan. So that was just a normal part of what our government spending would have been anyway. So the way that people characterize this is kind of misleading. But with this, we've already got a spending bill to fund the government. This isn't about funding all the parts of the government. This is really two trillion, almost two trillion targeted relief in, in the way these different components work together. They reinforce each other, they help each other. This is going to do so much for so many people and it's going to start ripple effects. In Biden's speech tonight, he's gonna to talk about the bill, but the theme that he's gonna be focusing on is the path forward. This is what's gonna pick us up and get us moving forward. And I can't remember the last time we really had something like that. Um, even with Obama's bailouts, that they were designed 
to be smaller as a way of politically appeasing conservatives, didn't really get the votes, uh, but it certainly kept the recovery from being robust. It was very slow. Uh, a lot of people didn't see the benefits of that quickly, and they were quick to turn on Democrats in the midterm. So politically, it's a winner, but more important, it's a winner in policy for the American people. I know I sound like a Biden spokesperson, but honestly, I, I believe that. <laughs> so how much is Joe Biden actually in charge here? Um, I mean, I've seen at least a few videos doing the rounds since since he became president of of him seemingly losing his way mid-sentence or or kind of not being fully lucid like like how how much do you actually think he is a doing and b running the show and how much of it was joe biden being just like a i am not trump symbol for the administration that has been installed so i i don't buy that type of critical joe biden's far from a perfect human being okay i don't buy any of that type of criticism of him in the sense that he he is 78 mm. and i don't know how many 78 year olds you interact with but my mom's 74 and my dad's 88. um for people around that age he's he's pretty damn lucid and it's it's people but I mean, I guess we're we're not really talking like my 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 question is not like is he is he lucid for a person of that age? My question is like is he lucid for the president of the United States? Sure. And, and to build on another point, it's it's not just that he's lucid for that age, but um, you know, Obama was this amazing speaker, hmm. and yet well, the most gifted speaker we've we've had in, the, in many years. Bill Clinton is also an amazing orator, okay? But Biden in six weeks has gotten more done than, than they did arguably in their first four years in office. Uh, and the thing is, is that there's a difference between an older person with a long history of, of stuttering that goes way back that he overcame mostly, but that is returning a bit in, in older age. Um, there's a difference between him the specific points that are highlighted and he's been speaking a lot he's been going to a lot of events and giving a lot of speeches so instead of like the highlight reels where people love to highlight the flubs if you watch an entire joe biden speech from beginning and yeah he'll stumble over a few words here and there but and, and it may not be just like two or three times but he gives tends to give longer speeches and 98 percent of it is delivered perfectly fine and clear and he knows his details, he knows the issues, he knows uh, the policy. And what we're getting is a man who put together a team of people, mostly with a lot of relevant experience that had been working on him with plans. He had his own plans for decades and they were able to put all these components together and roll this legislation out and roll these executive orders out in a way that uh, is amazing. And the best part about it is the media is very important. Don't get me wrong. There will be a time for him to take questions and talk about the media, but he's been completely focused on getting this package dealt with, on uh, undoing some of the worst damage of some of the executive orders of the Trump administration, of stopping arms sales to, say, Saudi Arabia and, and putting sanctions on human rights abusers. So all happening so fast, he is not he doesn't want the attention to be on him. He doesn't want to be speaking for hours and hours to the press and, and have these sort of weird gotcha questions. And then the story is, oh, Biden said this, but isn't this what he meant or what? 
he is focused on getting stuff done. He's focused on policy. He's focused on delivering. Instead of being out there tweeting and having all these press conferences, he's been behind the scenes getting all this stuff done, running and managing like a real boss, like a real executive. And I think it's, if you know Biden's career, I think everything that's been happening has his mark. Uh, everything, even that situation where the staffer, the, the press secretary had a relationship with the reporter and threatened another reporter, or not, not like physically threatened, but you know, it was like, how don't, don't you dare publish this? You know, he, he was gone. We saw accountability with, with, you know, actually holding people to account and, and getting rid of them when, when something bad happens. And um, he's gotten his cabinet mostly confirmed at this point too. Uh, he had to withdraw one person because apparently Republicans are now concerned about mean tweets. Um, but honestly, uh, <laughs> I think this is this is Biden being Biden, getting stuff done. And he had, if you look at his Senate career, he got more legislation passed than just about any, I mean, other than Ted Kennedy, I, I don't think you can find a legislator as accomplished as Biden uh, for the last few generations. I mean, I would say that 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 helps having been in the Senate and in Congress for for a, a seriously long period of time. Um, people look down on, but people need to wake up. This is oh, good. I, I mean, that's not that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that the volume is going to be higher and the oh, possibilities sure. of things to get done based on you know having you bit. But I'm curious. You said there that Biden, you, you think Biden has done more already than Obama did in his first four years. Like no, no, no. I meant the first. I meant the first full year in office for each Clinton and Biden, not over four years. I would not say. Oh, that. okay, okay. But like in six but, weeks. But still, when did when did the when did the Democrats pass the 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 Obamacare and the spending bill? Like that, that was the first until the end of two thousand ten. Okay. Because we so, passed yeah. it just before. Um. Uh. Here, I'll look up the exact date. Yeah. But uh, we passed it just before. Um. It was all right, March twenty third, two thousand ten, and okay. March third. Oh, yeah, that that that's like two. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's that. No, that's a year, year and a bit after. They did pass the stimulus bills, but the stimulus, the the the, the, the that was partly already in the works before yeah. he came in. The stimulus bills are really a joint Bush administration and Obama administration thing. Yeah. A lot of that was handed off to Obama. Um, but he obviously has his own impact on it. And Biden oversaw the implementation, by the way, which people forget about. Mm. And in both those situations, they paid for themselves. Mm. Everyone's like, oh, bailouts or corporate, whatever. They pay, they pay back the loans with interest. We make yeah. money. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I would have much rather that they had attached some form of, um, you know, requirements for perhaps – you know, not screwing over your customers if you're Wells Fargo or- oh, uh, I completely or, agree. Know, and I think that was a huge mistake on Obama's part. Huge yeah. mistake. Yeah, they, they really didn't bargain very well on that. They kind of no. just, I don't know if they panicked or their donors went, well, you're not going to ask us for more. You're not going to ask us for more, are you? We've already funded your campaign. Um, I think Obama, <laughs> I, I think what was funny is Citi gave him hundreds of thousands of dollars and he mm. later finds Citi millions. Um, I think billions, maybe, uh, at least millions, but it was, the fines were much more than what they paid him. Yeah. They didn't give him money the second time around. But uh, hmm. I think, you know, Obama not having a lot of experience and also all the pressure, because you had all these conservative and centrist kind of economist types with some justification saying if you put too many restrictions on the banks, the, 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 comp the market confidence, they'll overreact and that will hurt the recovery. 
Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's some truth to that, but you know, pardon my French, fuck it. I think there still needed to be more requirements. Like when you looked at the way things did turn out, I'm not saying it should have been too harsh. I'm glad he didn't go as much as some of these guys deserve to go to jail, going on a witch hunt and arresting CEOs or prosecuting them. That would have sent a real chill on Wall Street. As much as we don't like Wall Street, Wall Street does is kind of like the fuel for the engine of the economy. So mm -hmm. I think I understand some of his hesitancy. I just think he was way too hesitant to do. So I agree with you. And I think if Biden was president instead of Obama at that time, those aren't the kind of mistakes uh, Joe Biden would have made. And look now, he tried briefly to negotiate with Republicans. When it turned out they weren't serious, he said, okay, we're moving on. That's it. He had the chance, and, and it's great because he had these people over at the White House, if you remember, and yeah. they had their discussion, and he was like, okay, some of your ideas are good. I appreciate that we had a respectful discussion, uh, but I'm sticking to $1.9 Now I'm not doing $1.4 We're not cutting it in half. We're, we're sticking to that amount, uh, but I'm here to engage with you. I'm here to, for your specific ideas about which programs can, we can do to make things better, but I'm not, you know, he stood firm. And there was some tinkering with some things in the end, but essentially the bill that he put out is almost like 90% of that is what we ended up passing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hopefully like the, the it'll be interesting to see how the, the dynamic changes, like whether the Republicans decide to continue with their and the Democrats, to be fair, with their kind of like war mentality, or if we'll see, I don't know, a little bit more kind of crossing the aisle, but I, I would be, I'd be heavily skeptical that that would happen. Well, uh, that's uh, an interesting note, at least uh, on which to, to end things. Brian, uh, thanks very much, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, as always. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, follow me on Twitter, or sign up to our mailing list. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN. Get lightning fast connectivity with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below. Don't forget my book is now out and available to order on Amazon and on bookshop.org. That's Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. And most importantly, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>